So we are in the middle of a little three-week series that we decided to do, um, kind of helping us to think about what we've all just been through as a community, uh, looking back on coronavirus. We're kind of like, coronavirus is finished now, right? It is finished now, right, isn't it? Yes, yes, almost. <laughs> um, so we're in hope saying that coronavirus is done. We as individuals need to process what we've just been through because life is moving on at a million miles an hour. And we just, wanna, we just think that in order for us to move forward in a healthy way, we need to just press the pause button and we need to do a couple of things to just help us to kind of move on with health. So last week, Emily spoke to us about lament, which is the kind of Bible's way of encouraging us to express our grief to God, which I thought was really, really helpful. Um, if you missed it, uh, the podcast is... Is now up so do check out the podcast from last week um, next week Ryan is going to be sharing with us about rebuilding asking questions about you know what do we want to take forward what do we kind of how can we rebuild from here uh, and today this week I'm gonna be talking about forgiveness but yeah like I say last week we talked about loss and lament and we kind of articulated some stuff that we've all missed over the last couple of years some of the, some of it was big stuff some of it was small stuff but for me one of the small things that I missed was going to the theater Anybody else miss going to the theater? Yeah, like one of you. That's just two of us then, so that's good. Um, now, we don't get to go to the theater very often because it's quite expensive, but as a special occasion for like Christmases or birthdays, maybe Embo and I, we might treat each other to a sneaky trip to the theater. Very good fun. Um, so obviously, like everyone else, last Christmas, we hadn't been to the theater for like two and a half, three years, and so I surprised Emily to t with tickets to go to London to see Hamilton. Yes, that's three people in the room are now interested. So anybody here seen Hamilton? Any Hamilton lovers? Yeah, a couple of people. Yeah, half. You're kind of on the fence on that. You're not quite sure. Um, so yes, so um, I've seen it on Disney+. Plus. We've listened to the soundtrack. We loved it. It's great. Um, but I thought, and so when we went to go and see the live performance, I thought, well, we're really familiar with this. We're big fans. I don't think going to see it live is actually going to add all that much. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong big time. So there we are in the theatre and the big kind of showy pieces are just extraordinary. There's choreography and lighting, the whole nine yards, amazing. But really what got me was the actually the, the kind of slower songs, the more intimate songs, which it, frankly if I'm listening to the soundtrack I'm like skip, skip because I want to sing along to something. Um, but in the theatre those, those ones which sometimes it was just a single performer on stage with a spotlight on them, they were just holding everybody in the room. It was so powerful. And there was one song in particular um, that really kind of grabbed me. And if you know the storyline, you'll know that it's a pretty tragic storyline. There's some real emotional highs and lows. Um, and basically, the, in the, the center of the drama, there's this couple. There's Alexander Hamilton and his wife, Eliza. And suffice to say, Alexander is not exactly a model of a decent husband to poor old Eliza. He's a workaholic. He ignores his wife and his children. He ends up having an affair whilst they're out of town. This is spoilerific, by the way. If you don't know, <laughs> I'm really sorry, but if you don't want to know what happens in Hamilton, I am about to ruin it for you. Um, so yeah, anyway, so this affair that he has, it comes to light, and instead of coming clean to his wife, he goes public. So he like tells everybody about this affair that he's had in order to try and salvage his own reputation massively shaming Eliza in the process. And then eventually their son gets embroiled in this thing 
and he kind of gets taken outside on a duel. They have a duel, and he ends up getting killed. Spoiler alert. But it's like, and, and Alexander gave him advice about the duel, gave him his guns. So here we have, like, poor Eliza has been nothing but faithful um, to him. And she's ended up with an absent husband and father. She's been a victim of adultery. She's ended up losing her son at the hands of her husband. Oh, and there's this super powerful song where she laments and she's so angry with him. And so there's a powerful lament song, but then there's another one, another song right towards the end. Um, and it's where Alexander's changed his ways. And he's, after the death of his son, he's dedicated his life to Eliza and fixing the mess. And there's this moment when Eliza chooses to forgive him. So let's listen. Let's listen to this moment in the song. There are moments that the words don't reach. There's a grace too powerful to name. We push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. They are standing in the garden. Alexander by Eliza's side. She takes his hand. It's quiet uptown. Forgiveness. Can you imagine forgiveness? Can you imagine? And I'm literally on the floor weeping, weeping, weeping every single time. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? Like the lyrics just before that were, there are moments that the words can't reach after everything they've been to. There's a grace too powerful to name. And that powerful gift is forgiveness. So today on our second stop in our little journey towards moving forward from COVID more healthy and whole, we're gonna be talking about forgiveness. And my hope is that this afternoon, we will all have a chance to identify some people that we might, might want to forgive and actually begin the process of starting to forgive them. So let's start by defining our terms. What do we mean by forgiveness? What I'd like you guys to do is get together with a couple of people around you and I want you to have a quick conversation. What is forgiveness? Come up with a definition. You have one minute. Now, if you are a member of Gloucester Vineyard Church, this is your moment to be hospitable. So look around, make sure that nobody's on their own, involve everybody in the conversation. You have one minute and I want to hear your definition definitions of forgiveness go okay let's hear from some of you guys then who's feeling brave enough to share their definition of forgiveness oh yeah here we go hang on go for it and we said it's like acknowledging that something's been done wrong to you but letting it go very good i like that acknowledging that something's been done wrong to you and choosing to let it go anybody else got one they want to share what else do you guys have? yeah tim go for it not forgetting, but drawing a line in the sand and moving forward. Oh, that's great. Isn't that great? It's really good. Anybody else? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, we felt that it was letting go of whatever the issue was in your heart. Yeah, not forgetting, but actually releasing it. Yeah, that's fabulous. You're being pointed at. <laughs> um, like steps towards reconciliation, but that being a choice as well, not to like negate the emotion around it, but to like choose to move forward with that. Very good. So taking steps towards reconciliation. Yep. Go on then, Gavin. Uh, well, I was saying that the, the, the forgive implies, you know, letting go, uh, foregoing. So foregoing vengeance. Mm. 
Oh, I like that. Very good. That's very good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really helpful. Thanks, guys. Now, I don't know what your experience with forgiveness has been in the past, um, but it's easy to say, I forgive you. Sometimes it's easy to say that. Um, but truly forgiving somebody in your heart is really, really hard. Anybody else had that experience? It can be really, really hard. Um, so let's play a quick game of forgiveness top trumps. Uh, I'd like to know what we think in the room is the hardest thing to forgive. So um, what's harder to forgive? Somebody standing you up in a coffee shop or somebody leaving your front door keys in the front of the house? Front door keys, do we agree? Yeah, definitely. So, okay, so if we pit front door keys into, now this is a personal one in our household, so somebody leaving your front door keys in the front door compared to somebody letting a punnet of ice cream melt on the side of the counter, what do we think? There's a strong vote for ice cream from the back. I think it's still the front door keys, isn't it? See, I told you, it's way worse. Okay, so we've got, we got front door keys compared to somebody bumping into your car at the supermarket and not leaving a note. Keys or car? Car. That is the unforgivable thing. Boo. Okay, so what about somebody bumping into your car compared to your best friend forgetting your birthday for the fifth year in a row? Car. <laughs> I think the men with their bass voices are just saying car at me. So I think, I think so we've, we've agreed that the car, the bumping into the car thing is the unforgivable offense. Um, okay, so that's all good fun. Let's try a couple of hypothetical ones. Let's say, hypothetically, a friend decided not to test for coronavirus uh, and came round to your house anyway, gave your entire household COVID, and you, and you didn't get to go to your best friend's wedding as a, con as a consequence. Just hypothetically, or let's say hypothetically, what if your friend was one of those people who just completely flouted the lockdown rules and totally got away with it, hypothetically? I'm sure none of us know anybody like that. What if hypothetically our political leaders were the ones who flouted the rules, and whilst they were telling us to do something, they were off doing something else themselves? Hypothetically, okay, these are all hypotheticals, guys. Or what if our friend posted something really rude and ignorant about people who either do get vaccinated or don't get vaccinated on social media? Again, hypothetically, what would we know? That would never happen. I'm sure none of us can relate to those things. Now, this could get dangerous, but I want you to reform those groups, and I just want you to take like 30 seconds to say, like, which one of those do you identify with the most? What really got your goat over COVID? So take a couple of, like, 30 seconds, and then I want you to shout at me. So what really got you angry over COVID? Okay, shout some stuff at me. This is a safe place, guys. This is all part of the process. What kind of things? got us cross over COVID. Shout some stuff at me. The government, yeah, party gate, mate, that's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. It's hypocritical. I'm with you. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. So my, my sister wouldn't get vaccinated because that was really bad and it was going to change your DNA, right? So I did avoid banging her head against the wall, which is obviously what I want to do, clearly. Uh, but happily drove my mum and dad to get vaccinated so they could do the childcare for her. Yeah, so that was contentious. <laughs> I mean, that sounds contentious, right? Anybody else? Again, safe place. Like, yeah, come on then. Yes. Masks below the noses. I mean, yeah. I used to wear mine on my chin, just to keep my chin warm. 
It's good. It's okay. So that was slightly risky, okay? I've already taken a, oh, take a deep breath. It's okay. We're not in those times anymore. Times have moved on. Um, but yeah, so today, so like I, I did wonder whether I might regret asking that question because I'm sure that we're all simmering a lo- all a little bit now. But at the same time, today we are talking about forgiveness. Um, and forgiveness, I think, is the process of feeling that anger, feeling that frustration with somebody else and choosing to release them and move forward. And if, as we look around our culture, let's be honest, our culture is really, really bad at this, isn't it? really. Our culture is a blame and bitterness culture. You know, we're almost encouraged to hold on to our anger and frustration. Um, You know, our culture is really good at identifying wrongdoers, wrongdoers and things, you know, other people who are doing stuff wrong. It's really good at pointing the finger, but it has absolutely nothing to say about what we should do once someone has wronged us. You know, or at least the options that our cultures offer, that our culture offers us, are all pretty nasty. You know, either we could we could hold on to that hurt and that pain, and we could become really bitter, or maybe we could look to seek revenge. You know, like Gavin was saying, like sometimes forgiveness is the choice to not seek revenge. Or maybe we could kind of build ourselves up into this monster of moral superiority, pretending that we never make such mistakes ourselves. Or maybe just needing to have our side of the story out there as the right side. Or maybe we just sulk and just paint ourselves as a victim. Like, those are the, basically the options that our culture gives us. They're all pretty ugly options. Now, our culture doesn't really have a means and method for dealing healthily when people wrong us. And that is one of the reasons why I am completely compelled by Jesus and his message of loving and forgiving those who hurt and, forgive and, and offend us. His message of choosing to release people and love them and honor them and treat them with the same dignity that we would have treated them with had they not hurt us. You know, this idea of forgiveness, it completely breaks our culture's system. Our culture doesn't really have a place for that kind of idea. It's so nonsensical. It almost looks like weakness. You know, from the outside, it might look like we've admitted defeat. It might look like rolling over and choosing to be abused, to let people get away with it. Some people even see forgiveness as a sign of weakness. But let's see what two lovely people who know a little bit about forgiveness have to say about that. Forgiveness does not mean forget. You should keep memory about the sort of negative thing. But because of that, there is possibility to develop anger or hatred. That control, that's meaning of forgiveness. Almost natural response is when I'm hit, I hit back. When you have been refined, you put yourself in the shoes of the other. It is totally wrong. The practice of tolerance, and practice of forgiveness is signs of weakness. Totally wrong, hundred percent wrong, or thousand percent wrong, oh. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, well, oh, I mean, this is forgiveness. It's the sign of a strength, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. I was just going to say, uh, th- those who say forgiving is a sign of weakness haven't tried it. <laughs> <laughs> Those who say forgiveness is a sign of weakness haven't tried it. I mean, come on. That's, that's the Dalai Lama and the late, great Desmond Tutu. Uh, who wants to go and have a cup of tea with those two? Amazing. Um, 
Yes, so forgiveness is not easy. It takes strength. And as I said earlier on, forgiveness was a core part of Jesus' message about the kingdom of God. Now, we talk about the kingdom of God quite a lot around here. That's kind of our shorthand way of saying, like, when God gets his way, when stuff is kind of done exactly as it was designed to be done. Um, and forgiveness, as I say, is a huge part of Jesus' message. And Jesus talked about forgiveness as if it was like paying a debt. Now, Jesus told a really helpful little story that we're going to read this afternoon to help us to think about this. Um, we can find this in um, Matthew's biography of Jesus' life. It says this. Then Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' mates. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? It's a pretty good question. Like, what's the statute of limitations on forgiveness? Like, if someone keeps doing it, what's the line? Like, he's like, seven times? Because I know a guy, and it's like six. So next time, can I not forgive him? And uh, Jesus is like, no, not seven times. Seventy-seven times. He's like, oh. The whole point here is not like to have a statute of limitations. That's Jesus' way of saying like again and again and again and again. Jesus is basically saying that in his kingdom, forgiveness is a core value. The people who want to be in his kingdom need to be people who are like forgiveness ninjas. So it carries on. Jesus tells this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of pounds. Like, we often ask the question, like, what would you do if you had a million pounds? Like, oh, I'd buy a house for my mum. But can you imagine if you owed someone millions of pounds? Can you imagine that feeling in the pit of your stomach if you owed somebody millions of pounds? Like, you are never repaying that thing. And wouldn't you know it, it says it right there, he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned. Now, that was quite a legit way of dealing with a debt in those days. If you couldn't pay your debt, you went into slavery until you'd paid it. Not the way we do things these days, but that's the way they did things in those days. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. And then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand pounds. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And then some of the other servants saw this. They were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Now in that story, God is the king. He's the one who's owed millions of pounds, a debt that that servant has absolutely zero hope of repaying. And when he begs for mercy and the king forgives the debt, no doubt that act was a, came at a great personal cost to the king. It was a great act of love and mercy. But the servant chose not to respond in the same way. Instead, he chose to take the easy path of bitterness and revenge. Forgiveness is not the easy path. Forgiveness is the hard path. But forgiveness is extremely extremely powerful and forgiveness for a follower of Jesus is one of the most important and powerful tools that we have 
for transforming this world. Christians are people who believe that they are the servant. They identify with the servant in that story. Christians are people who have come to a realization that they owe an enormous debt to the king of the universe, and then they can never pay it. And Christians believe that Jesus, that God himself, chose to cancel that debt by owning it for himself. And that is why and that is how Christians are called to be forgiveness ninjas. Because we know that we have been forgiven a debt that we could never have repaid. Christians are tasked with passing that mercy on to others, to everybody else who owes us much smaller debts. Now, there's a church planter that we talk about an awful lot. His name is Paul. He was planting churches thousands of years ago, and some of his letters made his way into our Bible. And he said this to one of his churches. He says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord, the King, forgave you, so you must forgive others. I, was, uh, I went for coffee with a guy this week, um, and his daughter recently had the very unfortunate experience of her husband uh, just completely disappearing on her one day. So they've got a baby together, and this guy just one day just up and left. And my friend was telling me about his daughter and how they, she's had to kind of completely rearrange her life in the wake of this guy just completely absenting himself from the household. And he told the story of how a couple of weeks ago in church this young lady stood up and said that she has found a place in her heart to forgive her husband for running out on her. And my mate was like, I am no way near that yet. But, but she somehow found the power to stand up there and forgive the man who completely abandoned her and her child, like months after it happened. Like, where does that come from? I was meeting with another friend a couple of weeks ago, and we were just kind of swapping stories about our families. And I had no idea, but he was telling me the story of his family of origin, like generations and generations back. And basically, his great-grandparents and grandparents and parents, they were all embroiled in basically every type of abuse that you can think of. Like, nightmare stuff. Nightmare stuff. And you think the patterns of abuse that just run through generations like that. And I'm looking at this guy, and he is... He has a safe, stable home for his children. There's no abuse going on. It's a happy, stable environment. And I'm like, how? What happened? And what happened was that a couple of generations back... Somebody got invited into a church, and somebody had an encounter with Jesus, and somebody got forgiven. They had their debt cancelled by Jesus, and from that moment on, the entire family's history was transformed. Like, literally, cycles of abuse to stability and hope. Like, what has the power to do that? There's a grace too powerful to name, and that name is forgiveness. That thing is forgiveness. How did those people manage to bring transformation to their lives and families? How did they forgive some of the hardest things that we can think of to forgive? It was because they had a tangible experience of what they had been forgiven from. They had an experience of the king cancelling their debts, basically. And that's what gave them the power to forgive others. And so today, as we look back on the last two years of our life, I'm convinced that each of us will be able to think of a person, maybe a couple of people, or a whole group of people who we're carrying bitterness and unforgiveness towards. And the invitation this afternoon is to um, begin the hard and deeply powerful journey of starting to forgive 
those people. So maybe for you, it's really super personal. Maybe there's a really specific person who you've fallen out with. Uh, maybe because of something they said or something they did or something they didn't say or something they you know, didn't do. Maybe you're here and you're waiting for that person to come and apologize to you before you forgive them. And the unfortunate truth is that sometimes we don't get the luxury of an apology. We can't control how others will treat us, but we do have control over what happens in our own hearts, how we respond to that. So today could be a day that you decide that I'm going to move on without an apology. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to walk forwards in freedom. Maybe for you it's somebody who you know, didn't do something to you, but over COVID just fell off the face of the earth and you really needed them, and they just weren't there. As I was preparing for this, I was listening to a video by a really cool theologian called Tom Wright, and he said, forgiveness is not tolerance of the behavior or going slack on our moral convictions. You know, if it was wrong, it was wrong. Nor is it pretending that it didn't happen. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not gonna let this shape the person that I'm becoming. Maybe for others of us here today, we need to work on forgiving a group of people. You know, maybe we're carrying bitterness and resentment towards our political leaders after Partygate. Maybe it's the people on the other side of the vax or anti-vax debate. You know, I've got a really close friend who is on the other side of that debate to me, and we, we had some words. Things were said. You know, I'm sure that some... I mean, we've heard of one example of that happening again. Um, but yeah, maybe it's for people who completely flouted the rules when you were being so well behaved. Or maybe it was for people who just turned into massive rule Nazis and got really, really judgmental when you were just a little bit lax with some of the regulations. The danger with this kind of thinking is that we stop, to, we stop seeing human individuals and we start lumping people together and calling them those people. And it's so much easier to not love a faceless group of those people than it is to not love an individual. So maybe in our hearts, we need to forgive and disband those people, whoever they are, and try to love the individual again. Or finally, there's almost certainly some of us here who have just had some crap happen over the last two years. Like the kind of crap that happens in any given year. But just the fact that we were in the middle of COVID, the fact that things were just harder and more stressful and more difficult and we had other things rattling around in our brains. Those things that would have been difficult in one year were just made a million times worse because of COVID. And maybe there were some people who got thrown into the mix there that need to be forgiven. Now, in a moment, we're going to do something to help us to begin the journey towards forgiveness. But before we do, I just felt like I just wanted to say two final things to really close this off. The first is that forgiving someone in our heart is not a momentary decision. It's not something that we can just do like that and then we're done. It's something that we have to do again and again and again. It can take a really long time. And crucially, it's something that we need to keep choosing to do again and again because life is going to chuck plenty of opportunities at us to take that bitterness up again and to own it but walking in forgiveness is about repeatedly refusing to pick that back up and walk forward in love and the second thing and the dalai lama hinted at earlier on is that forgiveness does not mean that we forget the hurt or we pretend that the hurt didn't happen 
So if we're relating to one another and I tread on your toes repeatedly, you might find it easy to forgive me for that, but you also might not stand so close to me in future. You know, the same is true of us when we're hurt relationally. Forgiveness does not pretend, does not mean that we pretend like that person hasn't hurt us. We would be wise to remember how that person hurt us, especially if they're not showing any signs of changing or changing their behavior or saying sorry. If they're not aware of how they're hurting other people, we would be wise to remember the way that we've been hurt. So if someone has hurt you and hurt you deeply, forgiveness does not mean that you have to end up being best friends. Forgiveness is the process of moving forward and releasing the bitterness from our lives and moving forward in freedom.